0: G'day guys, bloody excited to be here for the potty today because I had the chance to chat to the legend that is James Graham. Um, Now doing some great things in the media with his podcast, The Buy Around. Um, Most of you will know Jimmy though from his time in professional rugby league. Over 400 caps, which is just bloody unbelievable and nearly unheard of. Um, Jimmy, you know, played in the Super League, played in the NRL. Most of you here in Australia who listen to or watch the show we we'll know Jimmy from his time at the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs and the St. George-Illawarra Dragons. It's just one of those players that you bloody love to hate. You love him if he's on the team that you support. You hate him if he's a part of the opposition because he, he just played with such an intensity and ferocity that you know made him such an effective player for such a long time. Um, but we shared a brilliant conversation today, um, a very vulnerable and honest conversation in which you know, we discuss the topics of what it takes to really make it in your sport, and recognizing your weaknesses, and then deciding what your strengths are going to be and what you're going to spend your time working on. And I just think that's an incredibly valid point for anyone um, in any professional um, in any professional pursuit in which they partake in life. And you know, I just love that we got onto some really honest topics about the transition from being a professional athlete for so long into life thereafter and, and what that entails and what the challenges of that are. And there's certainly been a few challenges for Jimmy as he recalls, you know, some really challenging times with his mental health and, you know, was quite honest and open about that. So this felt like from top to bottom, a really honest, um, fun and exciting conversation in which I'm sure many of you will, will love and um, a little shout out to you if you can get around this and then you enjoy it. Um, just share it with a mate, share it around because That's how the show grows. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode with James Jimmy Graham. G'day, mate. Good to have you here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us, Brad. Um, Excited to to come on the show. I'm going to be upfront and honest. don't know too much about it. Obviously, we've got a couple of mutual friends in common. So excited to be here and and talk about uh, a couple of things that, uh, yeah... Yeah, it should be good fun.
0: Mate, I'm really looking forward to this. It's funny because I think, you know, the interesting thing for me with this world is a podcast kind of gives you a ticket to speak to people you maybe wouldn't normally come across. But I remember like around town when you're playing for Saints, I'd see you down at a coffee shop, you know, running in and out. And usually you always looked, always looked like you were in a rush, (laughs) like always trying to get somewhere, Um, which I know you're a family man, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, but I did have a coffee with Laurie and Lomax this morning and they said, I said, is there anything I should ask him? And they said, ask him about the hot water bottle.
1: Ah, <laughs> yes. My hot water bottle, very seldom left home without it. So mm. uh, throughout my um, professional career as, a, as, a, as an athlete, I, um, I had back issues, mm. like bad back issues. Uh, uh, almost as far back as being maybe like 13, 14, had issues with my back. Um, and tried numerous approaches. I was constantly um, seeing physios, osteopaths, all that sort of stuff. Great osteopath over in, actually I'm not gonna mention her name because it's really hard to get an appointment. Okay. But there's an osteopath who I do see. Um, okay. But and I've told a few friends about her and, Now, I struggled to get an appointment, so I'm not gonna go public with who that is, because I want to to keep my appointments, like she'll get inundated with, well, maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't. But anyway, um, I've always been managing back groin issues, had um, double groin reconstruction, um, surgery, had a hip resurfacing at the end of my career. But anyway, yeah, a lot of back groin issues one of the best remedies I found was a good old-fashioned hot water bottle. So, you know, you turn up to a new club, like, so when I turned up to the Bulldogs, you get ridiculed. For sure. People are like, oh, you got the hot water bottle, you need this <laughs> fancy gizmo, you know, whatever it may be. I'm like, no, nah, this'll do for me. And if it ain't it, broke. And it works. And... It, you, you can always use it. You don't need a microwave to heat it up. You just basically need a kettle. Just a kettle. be it. So, always before the game, that was my best way of preparing for the game. And obviously, coming from, um, I was signed for the Dragons, still living in Sydney. Mm. And, a lot of travel involved. And, um, a lot of car journeys. I was like, oh, I'll just take my hot water bottle with me. And Love it. Yeah, people just, people often ridiculed it. And then, the more inquisitive <laughs> players they're like oh maybe I'll give that a try and um, and there was a couple that, that took it up and also I, I've sort of learned that it's not that I, I don't care what people think because I do because yeah I think you'd have to be like a bit narcissistic not to but if mm. something works for me or if I think it's right I want to stand by it no matter what so <laughs> You know, there's a bit sometimes there's social anxiety going into a new group. I've got this thing that I know is a little bit different mm. with a hot water bottle and I'd wear it. and or I'd have it. Not wear it, but yeah, I'd use it. I'd be like well, You're gonna well, live in Darbyl, I'm and die like, by the sword. Well I just don't care if you think <laughs> that it's funny. I know it works for me. Another example is wearing seatbelts. Right. So I wasn't sure this was
0: a hotly debated topic, but indulge me.
1: No, no, no. So you, so we'd get on to, say, like, a um, the, the team bus. People don't wear seatbelts. Yeah,
0: okay. But I did.
1: I remember someone taking a picture, like, taking the piss. I'm like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know when the bus crashes? Yeah. I'll, I'll still be playing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, 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 but it's funny how, like, we, we conform... And yeah, like how situa- So I read this really interesting book called Situations Matter. And it does so you think, oh, yeah, I always wear a seatbelt. Always. Like, yeah, it's, mm. it's just part of you. The- you get in the car, you put it on. But you go on a coach or a bus <laughs> and you don't.
0: You don't. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost, um, it's like baby talk in a relationship. How many people baby talk at home? don't baby talk in front of their mates situations matter situations do matter
1: (laughs) and it makes a massive difference in how you react or behave or your course of action how you think you would do something usually isn't who wrote that Uh, you know what I can't recall the author but it's a really fascinating book and goes into a a number of details of um, certain situations that have happened and how people do behave and even talks about um you know if you're fortunate enough to pick where you may have like a heart attack or um something uh, uh, you know fall on ill health don't do it in Times square you'd be better doing it on the local street because Mm. responsibility you'd think if i saw someone have a heart attack no matter where i'd rush to their aid Mm. and their help but the more people there are the responsibility becomes Shared so if you don't act, it's mm. what well, everyone else hasn't acted. And it's it, if, you're so in a, if you're in if you if you were just walking down one of these quiet streets in Wollongong and you see someone needing medical assistance, you'd automatically go and help them because it's just a one on one situation. But you think oh, I'm always that person, but mm. you're not. And these there's often um variables at play or parts of the situations. Mm that affect how you behave and act.
0: I heard something along the lines of this the other day. It was called something like good person's bias where if you see someone in that exact situation having a medical emergency, the good human in you goes, someone will help. So I don't need to be that person,
1: which is... I think it depends on how many people are around.
0: For sure, and and that's the thing. The more people that are around, the more you assume that the right thing to Mm. do is to help. Or so sometimes know, no one helps.
1: Or or, or, or you know, you've got somewhere to be.
0: Mm.
1: And you've always got I,
0: somewhere to be, James Graham, because you're uh, always... In a, <laughs> I, I like
1: to... It's not that. I just like to be... I hate being late. Yeah. And I want to be efficient with time. So, mm. yeah. I get that. That, that's, that's, I get that. That's what it is. And that's a
0: footballer thing, I reckon, because I can... Be ten minutes early, but later than the boys to coffee, and they're like, oh, "About time." Mm. I'm ten minutes early. Yeah, but we've been here
1: for ten minutes. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, I guess. I and mean, and again, situations matter. So there's certain <laughs> situations that, like, you're late, like man, whatever, it doesn't matter. But there are situations mm. just like you can't excuse being late and yeah I I have a even now so being um, a professional NRL player or rugby league player like time efficiency is important because your days are mapped out Mm. like now I'm um, you know I have a number of different roles and different activities throughout the day and like I want to be efficient with that time and I don't like dead time either like Dry. It's one. It's something I'm. I'm actually working on being okay with having dead time. Yeah. Um. And I do. I, I like to be busy. Like I. I don't like to be sitting around. I, I I like having things to do.
0: I get the sense of that, and and I have to say, like we got onto this because of the hot water bottle, mm. and there's probably some secret sauce in the hot water bottle, obviously because. The thing that blew my mind is I listened to your chat with Piercy, Mm. which was a great chat, by the way. We'll make sure that all the details of your podcast are in the, the show notes so people can get onto it. But, mate, I was dumbfounded by the fact that you played 400 professional games. Like, I think for me, that's in its own right outrageous, but even more outrageous considering the way that you played the game with absolute no regard for your body. But also the fact of like your position. like Positionally, we and I could be wrong here because I don't know the history or the stats of Rugby League um, as an expert, but I would say that I would think it's more rare for front row forwards or people who play the game in a more physical manner to last as long as you did.
1: Uh, yeah, look, I think pl- playing 400 games is probably... Uh, there's a couple of reasons why it, it got to to so many um one was a byproduct of i started in the super league where um the seasons are a lot longer than over here in the nrl uh, i started very young i was playing week in week out by the age of 19 so i started mm. early went and, and finished playing till 35 i think i was mm. when i hung up the boots. so it's obviously um a lot of time out there i was relatively fortunate on an injury front like I didn't miss too much with injuries had a couple of suspensions but uh, I I guess in terms of like playing the game my style was more of a longevity style like I wasn't that you know I was you know a a front row that liked to play long minutes but you know, there's a certain style that, that, that comes with that. and How would you explain
0: that style though? Because <clears throat> I, I would almost think differently. I thought, I remember watching you and you, the way that I'd sum you up as a player, I so said I'm a Chook supporter, mm. have been my whole life. And I would say that you're probably similar to that of a Jared Waria Hargraves in the fact that if you play, and I don't mean playing style, but I mean, if you play like whoever supports either Canterbury or Saints, mm when you were playing for them, would love you because of the way you play the game. Whoever is watching you as the away side would hate you because they know that you trouble on the field, you stir things up.
1: Yeah, I, I think, look, I, I played with um, a lot of passion, a mm. lot of emotion. I cared so much um, about the game, about my club, about the results, um, and, and, and the impact of... Uh, of trying to play well. I played with an intensity, um, but I'd also like to think that I I played with um, deception and a bit of skill as well, which, Mm. you know, I was um, like, so I thought a lot about the game and and areas that I could gain an advantage because like I was, like I was slow. Mm. Like if you looked at the GPS, data you'd see I was like one of the slowest in the teams and if you came to one of our gym sessions you'd see that um, like my bench press would be down the bottom of the full squad list my squat would be down the bottom of the full squad list
0: yeah the boys were saying the squats weren't that deep
1: no but (laughs) you you know what like I didn't neglect those areas like I worked really hard in those areas and I knew that they were important but Mm. I found like, so I had to find other ways to be competitive on the field and get an advantage over my opponent. So, like, if we go into, like, a power battle, like, of just pure force that, you, like, someone can generate, like, on a bench press, and, and like, I, I'm not going to – I'm nowhere near. Like, I'm – I'm damn playing – not even local park footy, like <laughs> in, in terms of strength testing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I had a dig. But I used up, so my, my conditioning had to be, like, better than anyone. Mm. So I could probably, w- where I tried to play the game, in, in terms of being, like, a power athlete, that was never going to be me, what I'd look to try and do is be able to work at around, like, 80%. For longer than anyone, because that yeah. that probably is the game. Like there are all those sure. moments of like explosiveness, but the game is. Pr- I-, I viewed the game as okay. Well, I'm never gonna be able to. Com- I don't. I didn't have the genetics to be able to compete with those power athletes, mm. and they could gain a competitive advantage over me by being more powerful than me. But I'd be like, oh no. Well, I'm gonna try and drag people into deeper waters and mm. maintain my 80% for longer than anybody else. So that's where I sort of looked at getting it and my 80% was better than most others 80% of yeah. like their full workload. but I also had the ability to I think maintain it for longer than yeah. most. And then also like observing the game and I, I picked this up from quite a, a young age was well like you, you use the art of deception. Like I think, it's something that is is not practiced enough mm. in, in 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 our game. Is like especially in the forwards. Maybe in the the outside backs it is, but it, I think a lot of the game is about. Like if you think of being a defender. I could make if someone's just running straight all day. And tackle that person, pretty yeah. much all day. Like the the variables don't change, but as soon as someone has the ability to move off both feet. But then I've got to think. And then when fatigue, when you pair, couple that in with fatigue, mm. if I'm under fatigue and I don't know what you're going to do, if you're going to move to my left or to my right, that's going to make that decision or the ability to execute the tackle, the degree of difficulty is going to improve now. Then you throw, okay, well, if, if you bring somebody with you mm. as, a, as a, a support player, just one player, Okay, now I've got more decisions, yeah. more things happening. What's he going to do with the ball? Is he going to run? Is he going to step off his left, off his right? Is he going to pass to that one player? But then you put another player at the back of you. Mm. It's like, okay, well, now I've got a lot more going on in my head. And then you put a player on in you inside. It's like... Stacking like the odds you aren't You are. So, well, but, but also, you're you, you increasing the difficulty on the opposition. But then, when you keep doing that, and you add fatigue, mm. because I think you know uh, the fatigue factor in our game is is really important. I think it's something that sets it apart from a lot of other collision sports. Like, um, I think it's one of the main differences between rugby league and rugby union is the is the fatigue factor. Mm. Now, like, just that's just me observing rugby union. Uh, it's certainly I think what sets it apart from. Um, the um, NFL. Good. The NFL. Like, you know, that's very stop, start. That's, like, I'd be useless in the NFL because that's a, that's a power sport. But Do you um, think that's,
0: sorry to interject there, but do you think that's the main reason why, and obviously there's a huge number of factors here, but the main reason why I can see there will always be a huge challenge for even the best in our game to convert to the NFL is most of their training and most of their time spent is in these very short frames of explosive speed, power, quick decision making that you know if you have all that in the nRL you can perform but i'd i'd like to see a bunch of their athletes try to play 80 minutes in the backs or play 40 minutes in the forwards and see how they fare
1: yeah i think they'd find it very difficult it's it's a completely different and sports scientists would be able to tell you this it's a completely different energy system Mm. that you need to tap into it's a completely different um training mechanism it's completely different upbringing in terms of familiarity with the sport now at, some athletes have that ability to um you know shift sports but it's incredibly difficult to do and especially doing it once you, you i think it, it can be it can be almost quite disrespectful sometimes when, a, when when an athlete changes sports so there are a few examples that uh, have worked really well with transitions so from footballers to boxing but a lot of the time, these um, lads that transition from NRL to, to boxing, they've been doing boxing for a long, long time, and they go into deep, deep training and forget the NRL. They, yeah. they put that to the side. Now, there are a few that do it sort of sporadically and, and whatnot, but I think that the the, the the sports that we play, like it takes so much effort just to... To get onto the field or the pitch or whatever you call your arena, that it takes so much, and there's so much nuance, difference, and there's so much little detail that it takes to get out there. So a good example of that actually is there was a a professional sprinter uh, called Dwayne Chambers. Don't know if you recall him, British sprinter. Uh, He'd he'd be in and around the sort of the the ten second mark. He he got. found guilty of a doping violation yeah. uh, was suspended by um, world athletics and, the, and he wasn't allowed to play any professional sport for two years anyway I think part of his comeback trail, he had a trial with um, Castle for Tigers which are a Super League team over in, the, in, in over in England and there was a lot of publicity around it it's like oh we've got this sprinter this person that could out sprint anybody on this field mm. but let's see how he's going to go at, Ru- at rugby league and I think that the consensus was, we could be onto something here. It just, it, like and I spoke to one of the lads there, I was like, man, he is rapid, he is so quick. Like, it, but he's, you, but it's repeat effort. It yeah. just doesn't exist. Yeah. So all his training that he'd done his whole life was, was 10 seconds mm-hmm. and, and then not just 10 seconds and there. So we do some training that, you know, it's a 10 second effort you wait you go again like yeah. in like that interval training but you would never train past 11 <laughs> seconds because he's never needed to yeah. and at the end of that it's it's over now they sprinters would train for longer than 11 seconds because there's more that goes into it but those skills just aren't transferable
0: it's um especially at the top level I, as and
1: 100% at the, the top level Yeah, 100%. it's
0: interesting isn't it that's interesting. It's fascinating to talk about these things. And I think there's so many examples of people who last a long time in their professional sporting careers often learn exactly what you're saying, that to survive that long, you're gonna lose physicality, but your IQ grows.
1: And, and also, I, I, there is about your you, you, your experience and your, and your, your knowledge and your situational awareness, because you've been there so mm. many times before. But it's also, like, and you know, in in any sport, that you know, the court of public opinion, um, whether you like it or you don't, and with the rise of social media, that, that everybody's welcome to to comment and you know tell you how great you are or tell you how rubbish you are and how they could be better. But I I genuinely don't think enough people realise just how good. Professional athletes are, so. One hundred percent. And and I say this story, and it's quite. So, I come from Liverpool. My group of mates, um, obviously just a few knockabout lads, um, yeah. do different things, and I can remember it would have been just around about oh maybe oh four, and we we play a bit fiver side. I was 18 at the time. Maybe, maybe it was a bit later than that. Maybe it was 06, and we, we'd have a knockabout with a footy. And no one within that group ever played soccer past playing for the school. Like yeah. n- n- no one was. Any- we had we had lads that um, didn't play with us, but they trialed at like not like the, the sixth tier of professional English soccer, and didn't get in. They play with us, and we were like, these are like gods. Like, That guy's how,
0: fucking how, messy, yeah. How, how <laughs> didn't
1: he make it? Anyway, in the pub one time, we're having this this chat. The Arsenal Invincible team, uh, I can't recall the year, but they had like Henri, Petit, Vieira, like managed by Arsene Wenger, one of the, the, the best ever premiership mm. teams. So I think they did the whole season on oh no, a a year unbeaten it was the I can't recall it's either a season without losing or in the Premier League or it was a it was a full calendar year don't know if it they actually it stretched over um, a full season or not but anyway conversation goes playing five a side goes do you reckon we'd score if we played (laughs) for an hour and some of the lads are like yeah I reckon we'd nick one And I think at the time as well, like, I'd be saying, like, yeah. yeah, yeah." And then the reality of it is, I reckon we'd be lucky to get a touch. Yeah. Like, we'd be lucky to get a touch if we played. And this is when they were in there. This wasn't, like, retrospectively, like, oh, doing it now. This was while that Invincible team was happening. It was live. (laughs) It was, like oh yeah we just go up against Henri or you know you've got like whoever in goal like Saul Campbell at the back like we're going to get a goal like no we're not and even even like it, it always boggles my mind so when we were in England camp we'd always have like I'd run this example and be like okay you've got um you've got 50 penalties against David De Gea or um a check or, or, or name your goalkeeper, how many do you score? And some of the lads are like, forty-five. Mm, like I'm like, you fucking joking, aren't you? Like, people yeah. in the Premier League, so, there's players in the Premier League that wouldn't be having a night at yeah. that forty-five out of fifty, and you think you are? And they're like, yeah, you've not seen me though, This is the right boot, and they're not taking the piss. They're Fate being hundred percent yeah. serious. Yeah, and I just think it, it's a funny like perception of like people you know you see it on TV and you think yeah I could do that it's it, it's so hard just to get on the field and, and and this is something like I think about in terms of me like the role I'm in now in sort of a, a commentary slash pundit it's like you've got to take into account like it's bloody hard to get out <laughs> there
0: but you've got that perspective because you've been there uh, you know yeah, and, and I, look, I think that's healthy for a pundit to have right
1: it is obviously you know you, you criticize certain aspects and you think but well, um yeah it's it's bloody hard to get out there and the amount of work that most people have to do like mm. yeah it's um it's a lifetime
0: of dedication and and even in a lifetime of dedication some just aren't good enough
1: Mm.
0: You know, and, that, and that's the harsh reality of playing at the peak of any, or at the peak in any arena. It's just sometimes your best isn't good enough, and for some it is, and then still sometimes it's short-lived. Mm. You know, and we see examples of that all the time. I find it really fascinating because you know you spoke about being from Liverpool, and obviously rugby league is not. Um, the most commonly played watched or even um, spoken about a sports it just doesn't over exist. there which is which is crazy when you come from here but you can see how big the world game is in england i find it really interesting as to like for some people who play sport professionally they make a career out of it especially a long career like you have it's it's usually one of two things it's the deepest of deep passions and this commitment to i'm going to do anything i can to realize and actualize that dream or the other end of the spectrum is whatever i'm living in right now as a young man isn't what i want my reality to be and i have this thing that i'm good at i'm gonna do anything i can to escape what my life will most likely look like if i don't do something to change it for you which one is it
1: yeah i guess so i i found rugby league by accident almost so um in Liverpool where I grew up, there is no rugby league there is no rugby union. it is fundamentally all football or, or soccer and the question when you go to high school and you mix with new lads you, you meet it are you a red or are you a blue? Yeah. Well I was a blue but I also the caveat to that is like well I played I played rugby I just call it rugby and yeah. people didn't know the difference between league and union but like, genuinely I had to. I remember being asked by a lad in year seven when I get there to to high school, he's like, do you play the rugby where they all dive on top of each other, meaning rugby union, (laughs) or do you play the rugby where you backheel it to your mate? So he could only think of it in like football, soccer context of like, oh, you do a little, his idea of the play the ball was a backheel, like a little backheel to your mate behind you or it's almost like you celebrate a goal and everyone dives on top of each other. <laughs> so, <clears throat> rugby league didn't exist. And anyway, long, well, rugby in any form, was, was difficult for, for people to, to get their head around because soccer is such a important part of the culture. So anyway, my dad's from a place called Maryport uh, in Cumbria. Uh, he met my mum, moved to Liverpool. He'd always been a big rugby league fan. And l- long story, but he sort of, nudge me to play it I I I remember going to my first game it was because it wasn't a training session it was a game and just instantly falling in love with Mm. this with this game and I I can remember feeling just amazed by how fun it was like it was so much fun it was physical It was active I I felt like I was good at it like from a from a first standpoint Mm -hmm. and they said like oh do you want to come back to this was a Wednesday evening I'd have been seven nearly eight from memory and do you want to come back on Saturday for a training session I was like yes do I have to wait you mean I have to wait till Saturday can't do this tomorrow so I, I was instantly like in love with this game and it just took over life from there on like and it didn't just take over my life it started to take over my my family's life as well like i'm one of seven and you know we're playing like back home half an hour's a a long drive like i didn't have a local team to play for so i didn't have like you know a friend whose parents could share the responsibility of taking you know a couple of them so, lads to train and back like like you see here, you know oh yeah we'll like i've got two young daughters now and they're, they're doing sports and whatnot but sometimes it's like oh can you take and we'll but no for my mum and dad it basically was i was the only one around that played so it was a big responsibility for uh, my parents it was always my dad that would that would take me um and all of us you know pretty much six other kids at home so, it was, a, it was a big commitment for us all, but, but I just loved this game, and then as I started progressing through the ranks, it, it became, it, it looked like I was pretty good at this. Like, I'd made a few representative teams, and I just, I don't know if there was ever, like, there was obviously a very deep ambition to, mm. quote-unquote, make it, like, that would always be the chat with like my schoolmates mates. Like, are you gonna make it? Yeah. I don't really know what that ever meant, and I always think I, I, I almost had the goal I want to make it, but I, I don't know if I ever did because mm. I, I didn't put um, like boundaries on that. Like, for some people, making it is playing a first grade game. For some people, or even for myself, maybe making it was I want to play for Saints one day, St Helens. Mm oh maybe making it is i want to play for great britain like once like didn't I, did I think about like I don't, I don't know i never put like a fixed boundary on making it but then i guess like around about the time like 15 16 very impressionable you know you some mates are doing some things like where we grew up wasn't Bad, but there's you know you know if you wanted trouble it, it wouldn't be hard to find and you know that can gain yeah status within um, you know peer group uh, mm. and and I did I look anyone that knew me as a teenager know that like I was probably what they'd call a good shit rather than a bad shit like you know one of those lads bit of a knockabout but sort of I had a line and that line was drawn yeah. because of the pursuit of playing and Mm. of of making it so I guess being progressing I've sort of realised like this could be a I don't even know if I ever had that realisation of this could be a job or a profession or that I could make it I was just I was just in and I was all in so I guess it was just like a, a see what happens I wasn't trying to get out of anything but I was deeply passionate about the sport and I loved it, but if I hadn't have made it, I, I would have kept playing anyway. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would have, I wouldn't have got to say, like, academy level, and then if I didn't, you know, if the natural progression, if St. Helens had said to me, like, I look like you had a good crack, you know, it's, mm. you, you didn't, you know, you'd, sort of, it's time to move on. I'd have just kept playing, I'd have gone down a level. And if i hadn't made it there, I'd have gone down another level. and I'd just kept going.
0: It's an interesting thought, and I love what you're saying here, because I recently was tipped onto a, an audio book um, by a mate of mine, and he's in the creative space, and he said to me, I think you should read and listen to this book called Big Magic. And admittedly, um, I put my hand up and say that I made it, I think, midway through the first chapter. Just the, um, the narration was a little bit plain, a little bit boring, so I kind of lost interest. But there was this really significant point early in the book that kind of, I think, sums up what the book's about. And it's you know this story of a lady who was a very promising figure skater who had a devastating injury that ruined her chances of skating professionally. And so as a, I guess as a symptom of not being able to do what she desired to do professionally, and make a job and career out of. She walks away from figure skating altogether to go and, you know, live a corporate life and and do a nine to five job. And she finds herself at a point mid-age, you know, in her forties where she's decided that she's so unfulfilled and so unhappy. And someone gives her the advice, well, what have you at one point in your life loved to do that gave you a great sense of fulfillment and joy? She says figure skating. Well, why'd you stop? Well, because it wouldn't be a career. And, you know, in going back to figure skating and just doing it a couple of mornings a week, she finds a new sense of fulfilment and purpose in her life and this passion for something again. And I think it's, a, it's such a weird thing that at the age of 18, almost 80% of the population, by a, a rough stab in the dark, would say, this thing that I love cannot serve me in the form or pursuit of making money and making mm. a career, so I'm going to completely leave it behind and be unhappier for it yeah. isn't that ludicrous it, it,
1: it is strange that yeah if it doesn't sort of compensate you financially you just completely you'd just, disregard it but yeah look i think sports and, and team sports especially and there's different personality types that are suited to different sports so imagine something like figure skating, figure skating is it's an individual sport so mm. naturally those people would be um slightly more introvert than extrovert I think rugby league generally is support is is suited to to people of extrovert so mm. I, I just for, for me there's, there's so many benefits of our sport and that's why that's why I think looking back yeah I would just I wouldn't have stopped the only way you know, would be a, an injury and I don't know the the ins and outs of this story but the, the only way I, I think I, I would have completely stopped playing would have been yeah, an injury that made it impossible.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought. And I guess that, you know, not to jump forward and completely disregard your whole career because it was unbelievable. Um, well, I shouldn't say unbelievable. It is believable it happened. Um, but, you know, to jump forward, I don't want to talk too much footy because I'm sure that plenty of people have heard that side of the story and, and got to watch it and witness it. But I find it very interesting because that's almost a, an incredible segue into now the life that you're living and you know at some point in time when you play a sport of physical nature or any sport it's likely that when you hit your mid-30s you're coming towards the end of that professional life and when you've loved something so much whilst a lot of people um, I think a lot of people don't have a a great regard for the emotional impact that you know the end of a career would have on a, a professional athlete because it's it's not just Okay, it's time to hang up the boots. It's, you almost get to an end where there's no other choice. And you can go back and play some park footy, which a lot of guys do, to continue to enjoy the time of the game where you might play some touch or tag. And I spoke to Sir John Kerwin, former All Black, last year and um, you know, he was saying that he plays touch with his mates a couple of nights a week and loves it. And so there's those um, ways of still connecting to the game, but a huge part of your life has changed the routine like you said knowing exactly where to be what to do at this time and what your week looks like I can imagine it would be a significant feeling to know that that's not a part of your life anymore what was the transition at the end of 2020 season like into this new life for you
1: yeah well look I'll just pick up on a on a few points being a professional athlete I think is the best life like it, it really is like you you get to experience things it's it, it, it's phenomenal what what it is, what, like, the experiences that, that you have. Um, and even when I was playing, so I was probably had two schools of thought that, one, I'm going to play forever. And I mean forever. Like, I would just keep going until, I'd keep playing until I, I was hospitalized. Mm. And then I'd get back up and I'd just go again because I just loved it. And I yeah. didn't want to do anything else. And if that meant you know, being a 49-year-old, 50-year-old, whatever, 60-year-old, I'd just be going out there, just doing it until, you know, I was either restrained or mm. it, it permanent hospitalization because I was, I was just of that school of thought. Now, obviously, like, that was like mid, early 20s, mid-20s, you know, and hear talk of, like, people retiring, whatever, I'll just, I'll yeah. just play forever. And then there was another school of thought of even like hearing people having difficulties transitioning out of the game and even you know, subjects like mental health. was kind of a bit like, well, just get on with it. Mm. Like, you've had your time. Like, you enjoy it. Just get on with it. Like, just be grateful for the fact that you got to play. I, I, I genuinely used to think like that and probably didn't. Or, or just me, even like, well, well, everyone has to do it. It has to end some time. Just, just deal with it. Like, be, be, be grateful for what you had and then you've got to move on to someone else's time. And even at that point, I was one of those young whippersnappers that was coming to take someone's position. And, of course, no one will ever come and take my position. Yeah, but that, won't happen, that won't happen to me. That won't happen to me. So there was probably a little bit of that. And I guess even, you know, speaking to people, uh, there is... There is an element of that, of like, well, you've got to be grateful for for what you had, and I guess it's a necessary consequence that when you're in that environment, you're in that institution of, you know, playing the Warriors away on a Saturday, Mm. Monday morning, like, you're told, bring your passport, like, the WhatsApp message will come out. On, uh, over the weekend lads bring your passports to training on Monday. Uh, what? okay well because you can't be responsible enough. you can't be thinking. there can't be the element of risk that on the Thursday when we fly over to Auckland that you might not bring your passport yeah. and then miss that flight. So you someone argue that babying, And it probably is, Mm. but I guess from a performance point of view, the coach would want to speak about variables, take away that variable Mm. of if a player, star player forgets his passport, doesn't get on the flight on Thursday, then he'd have to come Friday, then that's going to affect the preparation. So they just go, well, I'll allevi- alleviate that variable. They tell a team manager, sort it out. N- no way can anyone take their passport. Mm. So there's, you know, you rock up to the airport. No, <clears throat> you're not just rocking up. You wear your uh, white polo, not the red or the blue, the white one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then obviously there's other rules, like, you know, you close shoes, whatever, but track pants, not shorts. Track yeah. pants. and. and it so the and it's military very very not too dissimilar mm. not too dissimilar so you you're very well looked after. Um, and you know for me from being 18, 17 18 my, my my day was mapped out my week was mapped out my month, my season, my year, my next year I had a clear pathway of what I was doing um, probably as well, Playing sport, I'll be honest. It um, it treated a lot of my mental health issues, or it justified them. Uh, then you come out of this this system, and you know you you sort of a little bit like a lost dog. Hmm. You don't really know what's next. So, you know, you, you I, I finished over there in England. Came back here to Australia and um, you know started a, a couple of jobs, but they were they were all so different. Like, and nothing can ever replicate what you've ever done, or, or having that life. I, I don't feel as, other than perhaps maybe maybe coaching. Um, can I ask you? Say it treated <clears> the <throat> mental health
0: challenges. Do you think it treated them or disguised them for a period uh, of time?
1: I think it. Maybe a bit of both. So, like, uh, mental health, emotional health. So I think, for for me, going into that team environment of... And again, there's there's not... I can't think of any other work environments that are like that, where it's all majority male, all Mm. between the ages of 18 and 35, plus, you know, some of the staff would be older, but that's pretty much who you're with every day. Mm. All from the similar sort of backgrounds in terms of this sport's been a big part of your life for a number of years now, all highly motivated, all very highly motivated, Mm. all relatively speaking receptive to criticism, receptive to feedback, and a lot of as well, like the fun side of it is like, you put a lot of shit on each other. That some, some, in in other work professions, it's like you're getting marched to HR. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, if Monday weigh in, and it, it is starting to change in, in some sports, this is like not acceptable now. Like Monday weigh in, your weight goes off, and it's like, whee, what? Are we, like it's yeah. just you're in. You know, you're in like, the firing like, line. You, like, and people aren't just gonna be like, oh, are you are you okay? Like. Was there some emotionally? Was it? Was was there an event and you've just like emotionally overate? It's like no. Your weight doesn't define. I'm just going, (laughs) going to blow you like get it, get on the treadmill, you fat. You know, like it's and and you know that sort of environment like it can Mm. it can be super fun to be in. It can be ruthless. Like if you're the butt of the joke, yeah. I guess uh, you know people. Uh, if you're gonna give it, you have got to be able. To, it's give and take, right? For so, sure. Yeah, you know, and there's nothing better than someone that you you know you, you think you're gonna blow someone's legs off, and then they just come back at you and go, mm. well, what about? And you're like, ah. yeah. But um, it, yeah. So so that environment in terms of the the mental the mel- mental health, the emotional health, I I think for, for me being around the, the the lads, that was a bit of group therapy. Mm. You know, you talk through ideas, you talk through issues. You know, you. You'd have your, you know, people come up with certain solutions for, for what's going on in your life. And I guess, um, for, for me, you know, the, the week to week, month to month, year to year, like high pressure environment suited my level of emotion. Like I, I'm a person that um, can be, like a little bit of a perfectionist. So, so that helped me to mm. so like, and a singular focus. Like it helped it helped me and my personality type where, okay, I've got this singular focus, like distractions, nothing else mattered. This is what I'm gonna do. That, that helped my mental health and emotional health. Mm. And um, I, I think that it, it almost justified me being who I was, like very animated, very in, very intense. Uh, and then you know I I, I guess I, I need to say this that I don't want any sympathy for the person that I was or the the fortune or the, the privilege to be a professional athlete and get compensated financially and and, 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 ha- and more importantly have these experiences and these the, these memories and, and and everything that comes with it. Um, but yeah c- coming out the other side it's It was, yeah, okay, well, what now? Where's this lost dog to go? Where's my group therapy? Where's Mm -hmm. my banter? Where's someone giving me the banter back? Where's someone giving me shit for whatever? Where's my accountability? Like I've got no one to be accountable for. Where's my feedback? So there was a couple of things. So any new role that I started, so, when when I was, when I was playing, and, and it's the same for everybody, that every action, there's a multitude of ways of receiving feedback. So if I pass the ball in training, yeah, good pass, bad pass, yeah, up, elbow up, elbow down. Ah, uh, your foot, you need to square up a little bit. Every tackle, good feet, bad feet, ah, uh, you've missed that. Your timing's off, you know, then that would be filmed. So you'd have teammates telling you, coaches telling you, you'd be able to go back, watch it on video. Then in the game, every play, every set, every moment is available for you to go and, and look at and you'd have your own feedback. You'd have you'd have your teammates saying, yeah, that was really good what you did. Let's look to work on that. Mate, you know what? You've got to tie in there for me. Hmm. Or, mate, that pass. it's behind. Mate, you've got to get, oh, I need it earlier or I need it later. Yeah. Like whatever it may be. Then, you know, you've also got your fan feedback. You've got your media feedback. You know, there's plenty you, of that. Th- there's, there's plenty of that. But you 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 are just you, if you want to know, you you know, and you almost have to. And then you you go into a, a different role. It's like, how was that email I sent? <laughs> I don't know. Just another fucking email, mate. Yeah, just whatever. All right hours Could today it be like, it, yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where can where where can I improve like sometimes I'll be writing an email I'll be like I'd, I'd go over it like four or five times like, is that weird right that, I was like, I'm not I'm not doing anything super serious but mm. so you've got that and then I also um, I needed hip, a big hip surgery and again this isn't no, don't need any sympathy big hip surgery but again go from being in that professional sporting environment where the road to recovery is completely mapped out and any changes in direction are given to me, constant monitoring mm-hmm. of the progression of the recovery. Well, it was me on my own. Yeah. And that's like everybody else. So there'd be people maybe listening to this and go, well, I had fucking hip surgery. And I didn't get that treatment, but it's what I was used to and accustomed to. You become and a
0: product of your environment.
1: Exactly. And you become institutionalized. And and, I, and because I've been so used to being treated that way, and I was, okay, I was okay with, again, so as an athlete, if I got injured, usually, front of the queue. Like if I needed a scan on this at post-surgery, if I was playing... I'm not making that appointment. I'm not fucking sitting in doctor whoever's waiting room. Yeah. Get me here, like straight in. And that's a great privilege of a professional athlete. And I didn't need that anymore. But probably what I was looking for is, well, do I need to strengthen this glue? Like how many sets? And I've got to assume that responsibility for myself, which I found it almost difficult to do also when you're an athlete you're motivated to return because you've got a light at the end of the tunnel that you, mm. you want to see shine in your face for but sure I was just like well fuck that. what does it matter if I am fully recovered from this hip in six months or I'm fully recovered from it in nine months well it doesn't really obviously obviously you know I, I wanted to speed up the recovery cuz i would like to be active and stuff like that but fundamentally it's not there's not the same pressure or the the same even self drive to get fit like I, I did but it wasn't the same and then i threw you throw into that the the covid lockdowns like it and again a lot of people's mental and emotional health suffered during the COVID lockdowns. I had a few things thrown on top, like the recovery from the hip, You know, still dealing with this feeling lost. Mm. So <clears throat> I found that, that um, I think, think we were locked June, July, August, where we were in lockdown, like incredibly difficult. Uh, and, and also as well, The very first lockdown, if you remember, like, in uh, here in Australia. Like, as a rugby league player, we... So the season stopped. We were in lockdown. But we were still allowed to train with a buddy. So me and Tyson Fizell, we trained. And, yeah, it was lockdown. Yeah, we'd had, like, some issues, like, with with wages and stuff like that. But it was kind of... It was a bit half baked. It was a bit like, man. Well, you know, almost. What's everyone fucking moaning about? Mate, I feel
0: that even from my perspective, because I was, I was podcasting. So I was doing Mm. virtual podcasts a couple times a week. I was training for a marathon, so me and one of my best mates would go on a fucking twenty k run together.
1: And so it was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. So for the first lockdown, it was kind of like in 2020. It was like. Not much has really changed, so it's <laughs> almost like what's everyone like again you live as, as an athlete you live in a bubble mm. and this is part of that coming out of that bubble. Well this time the lockdown, it was real for me. Mm. But I kind of felt like everyone else was like, here we go. Not just here we go again, but it's like I'll use the same tools to or I won't make the same mistakes again, or this is how we'll shape our environment but i was still back in there go I, like this was new to me i'm like oh god like i oh i, I don't get the gym equipment dropped off from the trainer at the dra- like i can't get access to the, like oh yeah like so a whole new world yeah it was it, it 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 really was and again like there's no i don't want any sympathy for that it was just the situation but what i can say is like very fortunate to have a supportive family that, that mm. recognized and And almost as well, a bit of change in mindset that, like I'd spent this almost lifetime, never wanting to show his was hurt, always just wanting to get up, carry on, crack on. Like that was always one of the, the things I sort of, what the person I wanted to be was just get on with shit. Like just keep going. And there is an advantage I think, or well, there are. There can be advantages to having that sort of philosophy of just keep going. Like, you know, you you're in the shit. Paddle, fucking use your hands. You got a shit sandwich. I, I'll take the biggest bite. Like, you just keep cracking on. And look, I was in a state where it was like, well, no, I I need to surrender that. And I'm still working on that psyche of. Knowing when I need help, knowing when to carry on, it's, I think it's a fine balance. But so fortunate that I got a very supportive family that um, were there for me. And then also Dr. Stefan Erickson, who um, was the doctor and is still the doctor at the St. George of Laura Dragons, who had no obligation to to see me, uh, but did. <clears throat> um, I'd, uh, I think I was... I, 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 I was employed by the Dragons at the time, and, um, but obviously he's the player's doctor and he, um, he spent some time with me and um, yeah, got me on, on the road to recovery and I'm still on that, that, that road now and there's different things that work, some things don't. Again, talk about situations, even you know, now having time off, even being away, and the psyche of a person mm. that likes to be busy you, know, you, you go away and just just relax you're on holiday it's like uh, mm. i don't like being i'm generally, need you need know? something to do so i'm still working on it, so but in terms of in terms of that 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 transition out of sport um yeah it mm. hit me like a ton of bricks
0: it's an interesting thought that you just you just alluded to this idea of like, you know, I think even not even just rugby league conditioning, but conditioning of 10 years ago and, you know, earlier than that was men don't feel, <clears throat> men just act in accordance with what must be done. Mm. And and that's very masculine, right? Masculine, for me, masculine energy is very action oriented. Mm. But, you know, I see a lot of that in my old man, like a lot of that. But then there's also this, this new age thing and there's a lot of validity in it, which is you have to feel. But sometimes we go too extreme and everyone just feels and doesn't act. Mm. And so you become either a prisoner of your actions or a prisoner yeah. of your thoughts yeah. and feelings. It's like, how do you walk the line in between? And like for me, that's something that I've had to figure out. Where it's mm. like the last couple of years, speaking to people and and hearing their stories, reflecting more on my own, a few challenges in my life, a lot of great moments too. You kind of like find the balance between, I want to truly feel things and learn to be informed by those feelings as to then how I act. To either change the narrative or continue experiencing that thing that is really good for me. And It's such a hard line
1: to walk. It, it is and, it, and it's, and it's a it's a tough balance as well because like I say it was. In, it, it probably who it's probably who I naturally was, and, and then you have that ingrained into you. Of just crack on, don't whine, mm. don't bitch, don't moan, don't complain, crack on with it. And like I I still have a bit of a hard time now that like I bitch moan and complain about people who bitch moan and complain, so. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of, I don't know what the correct term or phrase if that is, but it, yeah, I'm, I find myself doing that. And I'm like, I need to stop doing that because I am doing their action, but I'm just doing it about yeah. them because they keep doing it. And then, you know, I, I think it's important to talk about our problems or our, our issues. And um, yeah, a, a lot of men... And it, and it does seem to be a, a more male issue that they just bottle things up inside, and, mm. or they, they And I guess in in speaking to people about you know, tackling mental and emotional health issues, you they, they wait too long, and then you know that's probably something I was guilty of as well. Mm. You're not recognizing, not li- not listening to people and saying I think you need I'm fine, I'll just crack on, I'll work through it, I've got this. Yeah, you know, th- there can be that that mentality amongst amongst people and I think athletes are probably more susceptible to that. Like I'll wait I, I got it. Yeah. I'll just you know, if if the issue for me was to solve like solve by, you know, making th- 30 tackles and having 15 hit-ups a game or over 80 minutes. they easy. You know, win, win the yo-yo test. I'll, I'll solve my issues through doing mm. that, but th- this is different. It's more complex. And so, Sounds like
0: you picked your battles.
1: Yeah. So, so I guess in terms of that, like finding that, find the line that road between okay i do just want to be able to crack on with things i do want to expose myself to difficult things and and, and overcome challenges and obstacles and um, like i still veer towards the more the physical ones like okay well i'm doing a run today like you know you got your principles in in place and I'll go that hard way as opposed to going the easy way you know if I'm in an airport don't use mm. the escalators go up the stairs like yeah but then there's the emotional and the mental side of things which is probably a little bit more difficult to, to naturally navigate I think based off who I you who I am but then also the environment that, I, that I've come from as well and it's something that you know I'm going to probably need work on probably almost to the day the day.
0: Mate, I, I could speak to you about this for, for hours on end, but I'm very mindful of the fact that we've just ticked over the hour mark and, and that means you've got to be on your merry way to your next appointment. Love this, I reckon we'll pick this up again later in the year and, and kind of do a part two, but mate, it's fascinating to hear about, I guess, your trajectory and, and I'm excited for you because I think in, in hindsight, we can look back on what's been a huge part of our life and think, that was the ducks guts, and you know that was bloody brilliant. But I, I seem to think that there's something special that you've created here, with the buy round, which is your podcast and the work you're doing. That I think you'll um you get a second wind of some stuff that's really good to come and and obviously all the good stuff in your personal life as well. So mate, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I'll make sure people are linked to everywhere they can find you in the show notes. But
1: yeah. Thanks for taking the time. No, th- thanks for having us. I think um yeah, so speaking about the buy round, uh, it's been great for me you know mm. having i guess uh this myself charlie and tony and um, we're completely independent so it's our baby so it's kind of good to have that thing to focus on um it's been challenging it's exciting it, it, you know it, it's something i genuinely enjoy like y- yourself you know you, you i enjoy having conversations and listening to, to interesting people so i, I hope i've managed to do that today and i guess you know speaking about um mental and emotional health issues is it's important because you know you don't need to be a genius to see that it's a it's a massive issue um amongst you know western males mm. uh there are females as well that, and, and places from you know non-westernized countries that that have that um you know problems, but I think you, you look to tackle the big ones, and it's it's males from um, Western countries is the the overwhelming majority of people that that, that suffer and ultimately take um, yeah take decisive courses of action, which uh, yeah it should 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 never be that way, and I think if we the more we can we can talk about it and and pro- provide solutions is the important thing, and like n- you're not going to be perfect all the time. You you might not solve it day one, but I think anybody out there that's listening, I think it, it, it's worth it. It's worth getting the help. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna be easy, mm. but it's worth but it's worth doing because you you know you 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 can provide positive things to yourself your family your community so um, yeah some people think oh like thanks for opening up but it's like well no like uh, you kind of got to do it
0: yeah I love it mate beautiful way to close up thank you
1: no thanks for having us appreciate it
0: cheers